This is the Hoosier Ag Today Wednesday podcast on the 31st of January 2024. Good morning, I'm Ian Eubanks, C.J. Miller, and Sabrina Halverson coming up with the news today. The Hat Podcast brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, experience banking built on heart, grit, and agriculture. FFBT.com to learn more and stop by your local branch. In the news, get to know the Indiana turkey industry a little better and might some proposed beef regulations go too far. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin here too with dry weather and a warm-up beginning soon. Also a positive turnaround for the Tuesday Ag Markets. Carl Setzer Market Analysis on the Hoosier Ag Today Wednesday podcast. At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we know that when agriculture thrives, we all do. It's the heart and grit of our agricultural communities that keep the crops coming in and the livestock cared for day and night. That's why we build financial solutions around the needs and schedules of our ag clients. If you're looking for a financial partner that has over 135 years experience in understanding and supporting agriculture, we want to hear from you. Let's harvest success together. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. For many of you here in Indiana, agriculture is your life's work and legacy. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Throughout my career, I've been immersed in Indiana agriculture and appreciate the role that ACI plays on behalf of Indiana agribusinesses. ACI is the proactive voice for agribusiness, and we invite you to join us in our mission. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to get your membership started today. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. Bids are being accepted now for 346 acres of Indiana farmland. Halderman Real Estate Services brings you an opportunity to own top quality farmland in Carroll County, featuring four sizable tracts of tillable cropland and grain bin totaling over 346 acres. Visit Halderman.com for information on the Flora Group Legacy Auction. Bids will be accepted until January. January 31st at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Visit Halderman.com or call A.J. Jordan, 317-697-3086. Equal housing opportunity. The importance of the Select Genetics Hatchery in Vigo County to Indiana's turkey production and complaints from beef producers that some proposed regulations may be going too far. I'm C.J. Miller, and this is Hoosier Ag Today. Well, you may not know that Indiana is ranked fourth in the U.S. for turkey production. And one of the big reasons the state has such a high ranking for turkeys is in part because of an ag company called Select Genetics. They have a hatchery south of Terre Haute in Vigo County. The hatchery there is one of the largest in the world. It's going to produce around 40 to 60 million eggs are set in a hatchery per year. And that's Dr. Ben Weilman, Director of Veterinary and Avian Sciences at Select Genetics. They're known for producing poults, or baby turkeys, and turkey eggs. He says one of the reasons they're located here in Indiana is because of their customer base, which includes Far Best Farms, based in Dubois County. We can transport eggs uh, a little more efficient than we can the birds. And so having a hatchery right there near a, a significant customer base 
like we do in Indiana is the reason that we're there. Dr. Wildman also says that Indiana's interstate system is another reason why Select Genetics chose the Hoosier State. You see across Indiana different logistics and trucking groups located there. We have great access to a lot of areas in the country. When you look at the geography and where Indiana is located, you can get to a lot of places within a day's drive of that area. And that's important for us in the animal welfare aspect of it to have as little time as possible between hatching and to that farmer's barn. Another thing that makes Indiana attractive for turkey production is the state's corn and soybean production. That grain and corn base feed is the biggest input to a lot of places and being located there in Indiana is also important for that. You can hear my full conversation with Dr. Ben Wildman with Select Genetics as he talks more about turkey breeding and hatching at the facility in Vigo County, check it out at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, beef producers are concerned that some proposed regulations from the USDA may end up going too far. Sabrina Halverson has more. National Cattlemen's Beef Association Vice President of Government Affairs, Ethan Lane, says they're keeping an eye on proposed USDA rulemaking for the beef industry. They continue to be very focused on what they're calling their competition agenda. We believe as well that the competition is really important in the marketplace. Our producers want a fair environment to operate in, but they also want an ability to differentiate their product and seek premiums for the cattle that they're raising. He says it's possible the proposed Packers and Stockyards rulemaking could be too much. If we get to a point where USDA is inserting themselves in the marketplace through regulation in an effort to achieve their version of fairness, and if that version of fairness looks like someone who doesn't receive the same premiums you know, being able to litigate or litigate at scale on every one of those transactions, that is going to disincentivize the supply chain from paying out those premiums. Lane believes that could lower the overall quality of U.S. beef. We're producing the highest quality beef in the U.S. right now that the world has ever seen. And we incentivize that through premiums in the marketplace, you know, better genetics, different feeding regimens, meeting that consumer demand and producing what the consumer is looking for. That comes through market signals. And he says it's not what producers want. And they don't want to see a return to commodity cattle. They don't want USDA inserting themselves in the marketplace like they're trying to with their packers and stockyards rulemaking, picking winners and losers, or worse, pushing for an environment where everybody gets paid the same for their cattle regardless of what they are. And that's the danger of some of the ideas that are being contemplated in the Packers and Stockyards rulemaking that uh, Secretary Bill Sack has been pushing for. Read more at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Sabrina Halverson. And I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. Farm Credit Bid America believes that your crop insurance should be maximized to address what's important to you. With their data-optimized decision tool, you can build a policy custom fit to your operation's goals. Using your past production data, their tool, which they have exclusive access to in their territory, maps out future events, helping you choose the perfect policy time, coverage level, and options for you, all guided by their crop insurance agent. To learn more, visit fcma.com slash crop insurance. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity provider. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's a Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about home heat. <laughs> to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. <laughs> Listen now on all platforms.
I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Act. Today's Indiana Farm forecast. Pretty simple forecast here. We're finally done with precipitation. Yesterday's blob and dampness is behind us, and we're settling in now for a pretty dry pattern over the course of the next week to almost week and a half. Here's what's going on today. Still see some lingering cold air in here this morning. That system drew down some cold Canadian air over the Great Lakes in general. It'll take a good half to two-thirds of the day to get that to kind of bump out, but it will. South winds are trying to develop already here today, and that will be where the warmth comes from. We are milder then for tomorrow through the weekend, and that mild air holds all the way through next week. I think we'll average a good 10 to 15 degrees above normal for this time of year. It's going to be a very pleasant scenario overall. And dry, that's the other thing. We should see better sunshine potential because we're definitely not going to be seeing more moisture and that eases the fog burden that what we've seen recently so it may take a little bit to get into full sunshine but we're on our way and the dry air will help with evaporation a little bit but the warm temperatures also free up any remaining frost layer in the soil so the moisture that we see out there is going to be going away relatively easily over the next week our next round of moisture doesn't show up until our next frontal boundary does late next week i think friday night into saturday we start to see some action starting off to our west and northwest that front comes through bringing rain likely all rain but what we also see with that front is cold air returning behind it so once we get to that uh, 12th to 13th time frame in february we may be sneaking back closer to normal i don't see brutal cold i'm not concerned about that but this mild stuff yeah it's short term at best so even though it feels like march for the next week or so we're not quite in March yet. That's the way your forecast is stacking up. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. A turnaround Tuesday for corn, soybeans, and wheat. Everything up. This is Who's Your Ag Today. I'm Andy Eubank with the Tuesday Farm Market Review. Settlements on the way from finally a rally. First market analysis, I grabbed that from Carl Setzer, late in trade from Consus Ag Consulting. Carl, double-digit gains in soybeans and wheat. Yes, gains, not losses, and better than a nickel higher in the corn market. So, a turnaround Tuesday. Some analysts seem surprised, given the lack of fresh positive news. Are you surprised about this move? I'm a, I'm a little bit surprised by the extent of the move, especially in the soy complex, but... Uh, looking at everything, we're approaching month end. We've got trade tomorrow. Um, none of the, the, the major contracts go into delivery, corn, soybeans, or wheat. But the simple fact that soybeans uh, touching oversold indicators during yesterday's session and first thing this morning, definitely given that complex a buying boost, um, and really, that's about what it was. Funds had built a, a short position in that soy complex, uh, approaching 120,000 contracts. Corn, the position short, 180,000 contracts, both rather large, especially with the amount of uncertainty we have over South American production. Once crude oil started to firm up a little bit today and the U.S. dollar started to break, the commodity started to run, and that supported all three corn, soybeans, and wheat. Uh, the thing is, with, with soybeans, we did post a key reversal to the upside on the March contract today. So that brought in a few additional buyers, especially when we poked above that $12 mark. The big question now is, Andy, what will we build on? And back to what you said, 
a lack of fresh fundamental news that would be considered bullish may prevent these gains from being built on, but definitely a positive side during Tuesday's session. So back down as soon as Wednesday, trade, possibly? I wouldn't be too surprised if we struggled to hold these advances without some fresh news coming into the market. Um, one of the big ones would be as if tomorrow we would happen to see some buying uh, in the daily flash numbers following the break we've had. It doesn't really seem like that's what's taking place today. Uh, if we do have some sales underlying that would be announced, it would most likely be the meal complex. A lot more demand for meal in the market than for raw soybeans or oil. And with meal posting $8 a ton advances today, it gave that complex even more support. What's the South American weather update, and does that still matter? It, it does. And the thing about the South American weather forecast is that it's more centered on what's going to happen with the tail end of the crop, but the double cropping on Safrina uh, in Brazil. The current models, we've been warm, we've been dry, but nothing that's really cutting production for the last week. Looking at the forecast, uh, this weekend, definitely a moderation coming at us. De uh, cooler temperatures, elevated precipitation chances to go along with them. So that should definitely benefit the crop. And the thing is, we're starting to get reports out of Brazil as they move into their safrina planting season and soybean harvest advances is that with the weather conditions improving, we may see more acres planted than what was initially expected, even though farmers will likely be down from last year's safrina plantings. We don't need as many given the global corn supply and the big crop out of the United States. And of course, uh, Argentina almost doubling their corn production. So the question is, how much corn do we need? And we are overproducing our demand right now. And that's going to be a limiting factor, regardless of the weather in South America. Carl Setzer, Consus Ag Consulting. 989-506-1587, his number. On the Hat Tuesday Farm Market Review, the numbers, March corn, 447 and three quarters, up seven and a half cents. May up eight and a quarter, going to 458 and three quarters. March beans led the way higher, 1218 and three quarters, up 24 and a half cents. And May, 1227 and three quarters, a gain of 22 and three quarters. March wheat contract over $6, 12 cents higher at 605 and a half. The meat's up too. February live cattle 17802, 65 cents up, 57 higher on Feb lean hogs, 7585. I'm Andy Eubank, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's most listened to farm network.